0: You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from his word today.
1: Good morning. Um, You know, you often have to be careful how you act and where you are because you just never know who you might run into. Last Sunday, um, I was gone. I was traveling to Mexico, and I was sitting at the airport, just minding my own business, just, you know, getting ready to get on the plane. I look up and I'm like going, that looks like Matt Krobach. No, it can't be Matt Krobach. I mean, you would not expect to see him there. I walked up behind him, kind of took that quick look around just to make sure it was, and, of course, the first thing I said to him was skipping church, you know, of course he said, aren't you supposed to teach Sunday school this morning? So, kind of caught us each other, so it was kind of interesting to see who you run into, so you just never know who's watching. i got to say something, when I was in the Philippines, I'm in the airport, and i wow, what a chance of that. Yeah, just never, just never know. So, two weeks ago, I started a series on spiritual growth. We're going to continue on with that series, I think, through the rest of the month. Um, As I mentioned, I was in Mexico all week, so I had all this planned time to really be able to spend some time putting all this together, and as work has it, um, late nights, uh, getting back to the hotel late, dealing with time change, because we we lost an hour last week, as most of you know. Well, well, we gained an hour, depending upon how you look at it, but Mexico hasn't changed, so there's a two-hour time difference. So, it really messed up the whole sleeping schedule, as Matt would know. But, so, anyways, I threw all this, and didn't throw all this together. Put all this together yesterday morning, so we'll, we'll see how it all goes. So let's start off with a word of prayer, though. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, again, for this opportunity to be in your house. Father, just pray for the teachers this morning. Father, just pray that as your word goes forth this morning, that, Lord, you use it, that it touched someone's heart this morning. Father, you know this is not of me, but of you, Lord, and that there's nothing that I can put into this, that, Father, that you wouldn't want to have said. So we just pray, Lord, that you bless this time, and we thank you in your son's name we pray. Amen. So continuing on, let's kind of go back and do a little review since it's been a couple of weeks. So spiritual growth. We were talking about what it looks like, where it starts from, where it comes through. We were talking about how we constantly are growing, how we're constantly evaluating how we start off as babes in Christ and continue to work through that, to be that mature believer. We'll never get to that point where we know everything and have that comfort factor until we get to heaven. But it's a constant, it's a constant battle. It's a constant growth. It's a constant movement. They say it's not so much about the destination, but the journey. It's how we attack the journey. It's how we adapt to the journey. It's, gathering of information it's reading books it's all of this but it just doesn't happen you know it's not just that person that can spend all that time doing all the research it's not a process to get there it's it's a lifestyle we talked about how it could be measured and really it's knowing what God wants us to do at all time it's so that when we go through and we live our lives that people see Christ they don't see us but they see Christ it's more of him and less of me. Growth requires wisdom. And wisdom doesn't often come from just reading. It doesn't come from just gaining knowledge. It comes from actually putting all that in play. And we'll continue to talk through that through this whole series. James 1.5 said, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. Spiritual growth requires a lot from us but it all comes from God. That's where it comes from. It's nothing that we can do of ourselves. It's purely what God can do for us. Second um, Peter 3.18, But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If him be the glory, but now forever. Amen. The next series, when I put this together or started working on this, would have taken us into grace. But Pastor did such a tremendous job two weeks ago that I'm not even gonna, I'm just gonna skip by that. So if you want to know about grace and how it applies to your growth, go back and listen to his message of a couple of weeks ago. Thank you very much. Um, it's understanding the relationship. Our spiritual growth, as we'll talk through this, is all based on a relationship. And that relationship is with Christ, with God, with the Holy Spirit, with the, with the Trinity. It's understanding how each one of them have a key role and how our lives work. It's understanding how we can put that into play and how we can tap that resource. And we'll talk a lot about the Holy Spirit this this morning. It doesn't just, again, come from coming to church, although coming to church is important. It doesn't come from just reading your Bible. It's important to read your Bible, but it doesn't just come from that. It comes from prayer, but it's not just prayer. It's It's the gamut of all three. It's that relationship you know, it's as we talked about your relationship as a parent with your child. You know, when they start out, and they, they're just, you know, they're clingy, they're, they are they want to spend time with you, and and we have a tendency, and you know, I've got a number of kids, you know, we we don't treasure that time when they're little. And then when they get older and we want that time, then they don't want any part of us, you know. There's that certain age, 12, 13, when their brains fully develop and they become smarter than every adult that they know and then they don't want anything to do with you, and that's when they get to be fun. You know, um, I often say, and again, my personal opinion, you can take this for what you want, when, when, when babies are born, you know, for the first six months, they're just needy. You know, gotta have diaper change, you gotta be fed, you know, they whine, they cry, you know, they want to be held all the time, you know. I wait till their personality starts once they get about six months and then they start to develop. Then they're fun. You know, they start to be fun. Um, so I let the wife take care of them and the daughters and those guys, and then I'll take them when they get get to that point. But same thing with as they grow up, and their kids are they're fun, they're, they're great to do. But when all of a sudden you can start doing things with them that, you know, you can, for some, taking your kids hunting or fishing or whatever, you know, you get that time to bond with them. Well, it's the same thing that God wants from us. I mean, he's our father. He wants us... He wants to have fun with us. He wants us to to develop that relationship with him so that we get closer to him. You know, as we want that with our children, God wants that from us. But how often do we think we know it all? Yeah, I know everything I need to know from the Bible. I got everything. I got this covered. I don't need God anymore. He's there as a safety valve. No, that's not how it works. It's that relationship. It's wanting to know. And that brings about Wanting to come to church for the right reason. Wanting to read your Bible for the right reason. Going to prayer, excuse me, for the right reasons. It's all because we want to have that relationship. Get me? Is that kind of clear? So, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, Every man according to his purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. So we talked about how giving comes to be part of that. But it's the same thing with our lives if we're doing doing these things because we have to we were coming in this morning listen to the radio and and the guy was talking about you know when i was a, when i was growing up my mom would always lay out my clothes for me wake me up at the right time and i would get up and get ready to go to church it became i had to go to church because that's what was expected of me you know when i first started coming back to church it was expected of me i was I was going because my wife and kids were going I was a tag-along I wasn't there because I was looking forward to it I was just like yep I need to do this because it's it's the right thing to do it didn't take long for that relationship to begin to develop and me to understand why I really needed to do that why that you know now it's something we look forward to it's something that we want to do we you know how often we get up and we're excited about coming to church you know, because of what we're going to get out of it, what we're going to give in worship to our Lord, and what we're going to see how he works in our lives. It's that relationship. It's that understanding. It's that taking that next step in how our growth continues. As, I, as we stated, <clears throat> spiritual growth can be defined as expressing my relationship with Christ, which results in bringing him glory. I mean, that's the whole thing of spiritual growth. It's, it's our whole purpose. Again, this is something that's been preached here many, many times. It's a common theme in pastor's messages. It's bringing glory to God. That's what we're here for. We're not here for us. I mean, God has graciously allowed us to accept his son as our, as our personal savior for those that are Christians. It's not something that, you know, we can take for granted. It's, it's, it's an honor and it's a privilege to be a child of the king. But with that comes that responsibility to get to know the king that much more. It's doing good works. Good works are important, but, they're, but you're doing it for the right reason. You know, we, there are many religions that are based on you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. You know, it's a constant doing, doing, doing to improve your walk. But that's, if you're just doing it because you have to, Because on Saturday morning, pastor said, i got to go to calling. Well, if you're not doing it for the right reason, then you're not going to see any fruit from it. And we'll talk about fruit later on as we go through. Fruit generally consists of Christ-like character and conduct. Again, how people see us in our actions shows our growth. If we see Christ through us instead of just me doing it, then it's a whole different matter. And again, it may be the only way that people will see Christ as through your example. Let's talk about the beginning. Let's turn your Bibles to Second Corinthians chapter five. We're gonna start in verse seventeen. Familiar passages of scripture to most of us? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world into himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed <coughs> excuse me, unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray for you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled to God, for if he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You know, when we talk about spiritual growth, It has a starting place, and that comes with salvation. And if you don't know in your heart that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, then I would strongly suggest before you leave this place that you seek out someone, and they'll show you how to know Christ is your Savior. That's where it starts. Again, it talks about our we're changed. At the point of salvation, we become a new creature. Old things are passed away. We know. I can tell you that I know of people that don't know the Lord as their Savior know the Bible better than most people that I would know because they look to study everything to find fault with it. They look to find issues that they can use to manipulate their point of view. I mean, look at the false prophets that are out there. They can take the Word of God, twist it into their image and their doctrine. That's why today we need to be really, really careful because there's a lot of false teaching out there, and the pastor's gone through that. I want to step back here for a minute. I can remember when the first time we, I, got, I studied this or was really brought to light this teaching of a new creature. i had been taught early on that there were two dogs in your life. There's a, a white dog and a dark dog, and it was whoever you fed the most was the one that was going to dictate how you lived your life some over 30 years ago, pastor brought this in a message. And I'd say that because he sometimes thinks that I don't pay attention to what he preaches. But there are messages that stick with me, and this was one of them. Because this was a change for me. Because for me, it was always, it it fell upon me to determine how my life was going to go. I had to do things to make sure that my life went the right way. Instead of understanding that God has already given me what I needed to do to live the right life. It wasn't anything of me anymore. It was now a choice. So it wasn't an action, but a choice. Two different things. It wasn't a work type deal to make sure that my life was the way my life should have been. But it's now a choice of what I'm doing. And again, now understanding why I make those right choices. So to come to church no longer became really a grudgingly issue because I wanted to. You know, it was being in places that I shouldn't be, where before I never thought about it because I was taken up at the moment, but now to realize what would God want me to do? What would he want me to be to change those things? So it really became a new mindset to understand the the differences in either because of an action that I needed to do that left it all upon me or me willing to be that humble servant and let God control what things would take on. There's now a choice, and that's a choice that we have in our growth. And we see that as our, you know, the the, the sowing and the in the reaping. It's the same thing here. It's whatever our actions will be will end up in results. So that's part of what that new nature allows us to do. Is it now gives us that thought process of what's the right thing to do? What's the right choice? We still have that free will that allows us to make that choice. And sometimes we make the right choice and sometimes we make the wrong choice. But it's not because God has put us there. He's given us all the things that we need to do to be a better performance. So think of it this way. <clears throat> Ever bought a new computer? You know, every time you buy a computer, by the time you get it home, it's outdated. It's outdated. You know, and there's a new one coming on the market. Same thing with your cell phone. You know, you get a cell phone, you think, wow, I can do a lot of things with this. <clears throat> and then two months later, there's a new, new phone coming out that takes better pictures, it's faster, it's whatever. It always seems that there's constantly something there. Well, that's kind of what happens when you go from not knowing Christ to knowing Christ. You are that new computer. You have the latest software. You have... The, the fastest speed. You're able to do those things that we need to do. Although, we can still run the old stuff on it. And that's what gets us in trouble. Is if we run some of that old software into the new computer, um, it either slows us down or causes viruses or other issues that things from there. Old things need to pass away. That's what, I, that's what I'm getting to. Then comes being a disciple. And I've talked about this before and it's so many of others. Is that as a disciple of Christ and that set to to grow, um, we must become a student, you know um, for those of us that have been out of school for a while, let me ask you this, just you don't need to answer this out loud. Was there a class that you really hated? You know, there are there I can tell you there were a, there were a lot of classes that I had to take in college that I despised. I had to take them because, it was part of the curriculum. Sciences, oh, I hated science. You know, some of the advanced math, I hated it. English, I mean, why? I can speak the language, what else do I need, you know? Um, growing up, my mother was called into school on a couple of different occasions, and they were questioning if I was right in my mind, because I, could, I couldn't spell. And, and I, I just, I couldn't grasp spelling. You know, if teachers would have only known that there would have been spell check in the future, how much easier my life would have been. I mean, it was so bad that even when I got out of college and it was in the working world, and Pansy's not here, and again, I'll pick on her a bit, I would call her from work because I couldn't find the word in the dictionary because I couldn't spell it to find it. You know, so I'd have to call her and say, honey, how do you spell this? And she would, I did it this morning. We were trying to figure out how to spell Hoosier. Why would you want to spell Hoosier anyways? But for my friends in Indiana, I'm sorry about that. But, you know, honey, how do you spell Hoosier? So that's my, but my mom would, t- would tell my, the, the teachers, look, one day he's going to be a success and he's going to have a secretary working for him. She'll fix his spelling. So for those kind of classes, I had very little interest in. And I did okay. I mean, I did well enough to pass and a little bit better. But, you know, I really didn't have that draw, that ambition, that drive to really want to take that class and get everything I wanted out of it. I got into college and I started focusing on things that I liked to do and I wanted to do. And in those classes, I excelled in. I mean, we had a, um, and I'm getting kind of soft, off track here, but kind of give you the thought process. We had a, negotiate, we had a business law class in college, and we had to negotiate a contract. Half of us were split into the union side. The other half was split into the, um, to the management side. I got s- selected to be on the labor side. Two minutes before we finished our negotiation, I was ready to walk out. I mean, I had everybody in a fury to ready to walk out. I mean, I was passionate, ready to go. And then somebody went, we still got two minutes. We, we, we got them. We got them. Finished up with a contract and we got an A in the assignment. But it was that. I was passionate. You know, the same thing that we deal with, with coaches that we deal with as an official is that we have, to, we have to have that mindset. It's, we got to remember that we see with our minds, they see with their hearts because they're passionate. They have they have skin in the game. They're doing everything they can to help their kid win. Well, that should be the same way that we approach our spiritual growth, our spiritual walk. There should be passion there. We should look at this as, what can we do to be better? What can we do to to, to make our life that much more of an example for Christ to see? You know, as we go through life, and we're, again, we'll talk about this in the next couple of weeks, God uses us as a, as, a, as a rough gem. I mean, there's chipping, there's cutting, there's polishing. All that happens so that we can, at the end of the day, be that bright gem for Christ. So we talked about being the new computer. Brought it, bring a computer home, turn it on, what normally happens? It doesn't start because it hasn't been charged yet. We have to plug it in, let the battery charge up. The battery's there. We just have to charge it up. So the computer is, like, for example, let's say it's the working parts. But we need power to make it work. Well, at the point of salvation, there's a power source that comes into you that is there for us all the time, and that's the Holy Spirit. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 14. We're going to look at uh, 15 through 26. If ye love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he might, may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the word cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At the day that ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He he that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judah said unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, How is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make you abode with him. He that loveth me keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, be yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I said unto you. The Holy Spirit is that power. I mean, it's amazing if we really truly think about that God is with us all the time and he's available for us to use. How often, though, do we think of God being in us? I mean, there is the three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All of them are unique in their own ministries, but they all are one. And we often give the Holy Spirit, I think, the short change of the deal, because we often talk about what God does, we often think about what Jesus does, but how often do we think about the Holy Spirit? You know, for those of us that can remember, at one point in time, there were there was a big craze of these bracelets, you know, uh, the WWJD bracelets. Those were there to be a a reminder to us to go, well, what would Jesus do? If we're in that situation, we could look at that bracelet as a reminder. We have God with us. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Why would I need to to be reminded there when I know He's there? Well, the reason we have to be reminded is that we've done something to quench that relationship, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. But that's what the Holy Spirit is there for. He is there. He's our helper. He's our teacher. He's our reminder. He's constantly with us. But do we often think about what his ministry really is? Do we, do we face with a situation, do we reach out to get direction? I would think probably not. I, I would hope we would, but, you know, in most cases... I think we have a tendency to forget about his ministry. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink unto one spirit. I mean, we all have the same direction. You know, that's why you, what's unique about this church is the unification that we have, how we have a unity in all that we do. You know, there are some times where we don't often sometimes agree, but we have a single mind of unity. And that's because we all have the Holy Spirit and we reach out to Him and use Him to guide and direct us in decisions that we make. I mean, it's really unique that we do that. Um, but it's a resource that's there that we can use to overcome sin. Do we often though the question, use that resource? You know, do we use that tool in our toolbox that you know, when as we come to see what's happening in our lives to reach out and get direction? Or do we just often in our own flesh make a decision instead of reaching out to what the Holy Spirit wants from us? He gives us the desires and the abilities to resist temptation and to overcome it. You know, there is no temptation that will come to you that you can't resist that you can't get away from. The only reason that we, again, back to the, back to the choice, is do you choose to, yes or no? Do you choose to fall into that temptation, or do you determine to flee from it? You know, sometimes you think that's a really, really tough to do, but yet it is because we're not using the power that's available to us to, to get through that. Ephesians 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Again, this is something that, we, that we've talked about many times, messages that have come from pastor. Daniel just went through a whole series on being drunk and alcohol. You know, the one thing that it talks about here, and, and both have talked about it, is being under the influence. You know, you, could, you hear often today, being under the influence of drugs you know why did this guy do such a thing well he was he was under the influence of drugs you know i'll be personal here with you before i got back into church i used to like drink and on occasion i would drink too much i became under the influence of alcohol and i would often get myself in trouble because all of a sudden i had so i say some additional bravery that i didn't have before you know It was called what they would call short man's disease, is that all of a sudden you get drunk enough, you're ready to take on the world. You know, glad I don't do that anymore. I am so thankful to God that he's taken me out of that lifestyle. But the same mindset becomes under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What's the last time that you've really allowed the Holy Spirit to just direct your life? To be under that influence, just to let you do things that are just in such God's will... That, you know, you get done through it and you're going, wow, this is great. You know, being in service, how often have we seen God's influence and got the Holy Spirit just do a work in this building? You know, you can walk out of here and just go like, wow, you know, that was really something. You know, we've, we've seen it work. We've seen God's Spirit work in here and decisions made and hearts be broken and turned back to him. That's not because of the message a pastor brought. It's because the Holy Spirit used that message to reach somebody's heart. You know, have you worked with somebody or brought somebody to the Lord where you thought, you know what, there is no way that this person's ever going to accept the Lord. But the Spirit just comes through and just melts their hearts. You know, that's the influence. That's being under that influence of the Holy Spirit. We need to be full of him. We need to take all that we can get. Because if we want to have a Christian life that's honorable and brings honor and glory to God, we need to have that power. You know, think of your cell phone, for example. How often have you been in a position where the little red bar's on there and you know you're just about ready to run out of juice? And you're not in a place to plug it in. Or I forgot to plug it in. Or it didn't plug in properly, so all of a sudden your battery's about dead. You know, that's a bad situation to be in, especially if you need to be somewhere. and You need a call coming in. You know, it's not having that power to get through what you need to get to. It's the same thing in our Christian walk. If we're not full of that charged battery of the Holy Spirit, we'll find ourselves in situations where we need to have that, and now all of a sudden we don't have that power. Our our, our meter's almost right, almost zero. That's why it's important to realize that He is with us and that you've done all you can to get there. You know, you just can't rely on Wednesday and Sunday to recharge your battery. If you do, you're in trouble. I mean, you can come out of here, walk out of here, great, on a Sunday morning, and then get home, and the dog's tore or something, or, you know, you have car trouble on the way home, all of a sudden... That high charge that you had gets dropped in a hurry, you know, or during the week, you know, your boss, you know, is a problem, you know, and you've got to do, walk through that, or those that you work that work for you are a problem, and all of a sudden, you know, from this level, it gets, drains that battery in a hurry. That's why it's a constant. It's always, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as we go through. You know, it's being in that service to feel that feel that presence, but how soon right after we walk out the door, you know, we're unplugged. You know, think of it as being here and you're plugged in, you're charging up. As soon as you walk out the door, the plug comes undone, and what happens? You start losing battery life. You know, it's the same thing with your life. As soon as you walk, we're here, we're protected, music's great, messages are great, you know, the people are great, we walk out the door, and you know, it starts to dwindle. So that by the end of the week, by midweek, we're almost empty, unless you're doing something to constantly charge it. You won't know it unless you practice it. It's a lifestyle, you know, again, I I often go back to things that I know well in one is athletics. You know, for an athlete, they can be shown something, shown a play, shown a move, work on a shot in basketball, for example, because the guys just finished playing basketball yesterday. You know, they can be shown it, but unless they practice it, unless it becomes a lifestyle, unless it becomes something that becomes so ingrained, it's just natural for them to do it, It, it's tough. You know, for them to really be good at it, it's something that it becomes repetitive. You know, and it becomes repetitive for the right reasons. That's what our Christian walk's all about. It's becoming a lifestyle. It's becoming the way we need to go. But we make, we must make sure that we don't cut off that power. You know, that power's there, but we can, we can cut it off. Just like a short in a car. You know, have you ever had an electrical problem and the mechanic says, yeah, there's a short in there somewhere and they got to go find it. You know, they just can't go up, there it is, I'll fix it. No, typically it's buried in the way back behind an engine, stuck on something that they got to tear apart to fix it. You know, what that does is that hinders that power. what you need to. It hinders your growth. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 warns us not to quench not the Spirit. We can do that. We can quench the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't think that we could, but we can. And when we do that, that hinders our ability for growth. Ephesians 4.30 says, "...and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption." I mean, the Holy Spirit is there. It is there until, it's there until we cross over. I I don't know what happens after that, but as long as we're alive, the Holy Spirit is alive with us. No matter what we do, it's there. But the question is, what are we doing to quench it? Galatians 5.16, let's turn to Galatians uh, chapter 5. We'll finish up with this. 16 through 26. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would do. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedations, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past. That they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, flesh, which the affections and loss. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirits. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. There's that constant battle. If you live to the flesh, which is the old nature, if you make those wrong decisions, your walk isn't going to be very good. But if you walk in the Spirit, if you count on the Spirit to lead you in your life, great fruits will be rewarded. Michael, close to the word of prayer.